Hello, and welcome to the 38th episode of How to Hold a Pencil. My name is Jeremy Ingber, and I'm your host. And we have a great interview for today uh, with Adam Clark, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. But before we get started, I wanted to let everyone know about a new thing that I'm doing uh, called the How to Hold a Pencil Journal. Uh, it's a fresh post every week uh, about different things in web development and design uh, featuring me. Uh, and I'll talk to you about all different stuff. The first episode's up. It's all about where I got my start. Next week, I'm going to talk about my uh, job searching and finding jobs. And uh, I got a bunch of great stuff planned, including uh, tracking myself as I learn uh, how to develop a Meteor app and release it uh, before a specific deadline. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, and I hope you check it out. If you like the show, both the journal or the interviews, let me know on Twitter. I'm at Ruben Ingber. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at hold a pencil at hold a pencil. Uh, and if you have a chance, please rate and review this show on iTunes. I can't tell you how important those ratings are. Um, and that's it. So here now is my interview with Adam. Welcome, Adam. I'm so glad you could join me today. Before we begin, let me tell everyone, uh, if you're not listening to the Gently Mad Adams podcast, you're missing out on something amazing. Um, <laughs> for the people who don't know who you are, Adam, why don't you tell the listeners at home a little bit about yourself? Yeah, man. Well, first, thanks for having me on the show. I've listened to it before. Um, I think I think you and I, uh, well, we both had shows out kind of focused on the design world somewhat about the same time and i recently rebooted the gently mad so it's not it's it's before it was it was very much a web design industry podcast and it's not that anymore but um but yeah i mean the short story is i was a web designer developer freelance for about six years and then at the end of the last year i decided um I was going to jump to um, making my show, The Gently Mad, and my course on podcasting called Irresistible Podcasting. I was going to jump into doing both of those full time, and that's that's what I've been up to for the last few months. Very cool. So like I said, I know I know you're a developer and you're a podcaster. So I want to sort of split the interview and the show into sort of two segments. Mm-hmm. Uh, first the web and then some, uh, then some podcasting stuff. So what's your first memory of the web? First memory of the web. Hmm, what would that be? Probably um, AOL and the whole, uh, you know, you got mail, the... I don't know if you remember the movie you've got mail with tom hanks from the late 90s but i do for sure yeah kind of that same thing we had uh always been into computers my dad had computers around from the time i was a kid i was born um beginning of 1980 so he had a bunch of uh you know uh, ibm kind of big 286 you know the kinds before you had any floppy drives or anything and i was always messing with those and interested and then when we got an internet connection probably in the windows 95 97 era um that's when i uh, experienced the internet and you remember those aol cds you used to get in the mail yeah Um, i use them as frisbees forever yeah exactly so i had one of those and i think i signed up for one and and um i don't remember whether it was email or whatever but that that sort of aol experience was my first first time on the web got it so how did you sort of go from that experience on the web, you know, your you've got mail experience to sort of building things on the web? Um, I immediately started building things on the web because I've always been kind of uh, 
a tinkerer, I guess. And I've gone through many different careers for that reason is I, I'm very much, I just like exploring new things. And so um, I made a website, I think right away. And I don't remember what I used to make it to tell you the truth, <laughs> but it was uh it was a Star Wars fan page. You remember back in the day, fan nice. pages, fan pages were all the rage. Everyone had a fan page for whatever it was they liked. Nice. And I had a Star Wars fan page and that was the first thing I made, first website I made, and that was probably 97 era and um lots of tables I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, lots of that stuff and um I don't know why, but I just never thought I could do it as a career. I felt like uh, I was working for IBM at the time and tech support, and I had a whole career doing that. I did that for about four years from the time I was 18 to 22 when I decided just on a whim I wanted to go to college and I quit the job. But um, I just felt like the web would be too hard, like, uh, you know, the technology – even at that time, I thought technology was changing so fast. If only I could have seen what it would be like now. But even way back then, I thought it just changes so fast. I don't know how I'd ever be able to keep up with, you know, all the new development strategies, tactics and frameworks and, and stuff like that. And I just never thought that it was uh, I never considered it as a career at the time. So I know that for you, it excuse me, for you, it turned sort of into a profession at one point and uh, you were working full time on the web and you launched a few months ago, maybe a year ago now, uh, this thing called WP Theory, where you promised people a WordPress site in a day. Mm -hmm. So how did you go from this like novice developer building fan pages to building, um, you know, WordPress sites in a day? I mean, it's clearly that your skills developed, but how did your what tools did you use to learn and what's, you know, how did you develop your skills over time? It's, it's just, it was a long period of years, you know, like I said, when I was 22, um, from the time I was 17 to 22, I had a full-time job. I was still living at home, but I had a full-time job and it was always in the tech support realm because that's what I was fascinated with was hardware and, you know, breaking things and fixing things. And I never considered the web, uh, possible career it just didn't come into my mind and one day I decided you know I want to go to college I want to go and have that experience and so I did and I'd always wanted to be a writer from the time I was a kid and so when I went to school I studied a lot of English and linguistics and stuff like that and um, and I got a job at a newspaper while I was in college and so from part of uh, the middle of college to I don't know until I started working as a professional in the web industry I was in the journalism industry and I was a reporter I lived in Los Angeles for a number of years and I moved back to the southeast where I'm from and worked for some newspapers there and at one point I think it was when we were having our second kid that I realized um I just journal I was never going to be able to make enough money with journalism and I really wanted to I always wanted to try to be self-employed and so I uh what happened I think I uh there was a local design shop where I lived in Georgia at the time and they agreed to hire me and it was a little bit of a raise over what I was making at the newspaper so 
I quit that and went to work for that design agency and I worked there for one year and then uh, I kind of got laid off, but I don't think I would have stayed much longer anyway. I mean, literally from the fourth or fifth month in, I, I was planning my, my freelance, you know, self-employment phase. And when they laid me off, um, it it was kind of like, uh, you know, a little bit scary, but at the same time, it was like, um, okay, well, well, now I have an excuse to, to jump into the freelance. So... So that's what I did. I started freelancing, and uh, in the beginning, I I thought I needed to basically be this big agency, and so that's how I kind of branded myself. I kind of hid the fact that it was just me, and and tried to offer every service under the sun, like the agency I was at had done, and um, that didn't work well at all. And I was very unhappy because I was getting clients needing things that I really wasn't interested in, in making. And so I think year two, I decided to focus solely on front end development because I, I wanted to work for my peers. You know, I'd gone to a lot of conferences and made a lot of friends in the web industry who were all designers. And I wanted to work with and for them rather than the end user, the kind of mom and pop, you know, pizza place or whatever. So I decided to focus on front end development and be a front end kind of partner to those designers. And and uh, that's that's what I did. That's that's what I did for years. And then uh, kind of bring it up to what you asked WP Theory. WP Theory was launched last fall. As a as a as a, it was a productized service, I wanted to experiment with products and experiment with less client work, and it was sort of a step in that direction. Got it. So, sort of as you as you developed your skills and developed your freelance business, what type of roadblocks did you hit, and how did you sort of overcome those? You know, I'm sure there were plenty, but if you know the the big picture ones that other people might be hitting or might be experiencing, yeah. You know, it's hard to say because at the time I didn't see them. I mean, obviously the biggest obstacle or the biggest, most difficult thing I dealt with was the the sort of feast or famine of freelance, you know, up and down. It's a, it's a variable income. So like one month I would have nothing. And then the next month I would have like $30,000 worth of work. It was, it was either all or nothing. And I didn't think of it at the time as like an obstacle, but looking back now, I feel like, in other words, if I was going to do it all over again, I would do it completely differently than I did. I think if I was going to do it now, um, I would pick a very specific niche to focus on. Um, I feel like trying to be all things to all people, you kind of end up being nothing to everyone, you know, and... Uh, if I was to go back to it now, what I would do is I would p- pick a specific group of people that I want to serve, whether it's dentists or churches or lawyers or whatever, something very specific, and then basically try to become sort of uh, an expert in that field. Like, so basically for every dentist, you know, I'm the go-to guy for dentistry websites, you know. And uh, I think that would have – that's how I would do it now. I, I think that uh, you're going to have a lot more success. Um, it feels counterintuitive. It's really hard to say no to work 
um, when you need the money, but saying no is really important and, and, and focusing on a specific niche so that you can, um, you know, if you're trying to be everything to everyone, you can't, um, you, you just not, you, you can't, you're not going to be good enough for that. You're not going to be able to do that. And so focusing on my strengths instead of my weaknesses and, and also picking a very specific niche to focus on is what is, is the biggest thing. I mean, there's a lot of things, but that's the biggest thing I do differently. No, I think you're touching on something really interesting. So I want to, I want to dive a little deeper. How do you, you know, picking a niche, like that sounds like a very, it's a very broad thing to say, like pick your niche. So there are people who do political websites or people who do dentist websites, whatever it might be. How do you go about picking that niche? Like how do do you think it's that you should find something that you're passionate about to build, or do you think it should be something that you think is going to, the clients are going to come pouring in type thing? I think it's a combination of both. It's the same way with podcasting, which is what I'm focused on now, you know, like, um, how do you decide what kind of podcast to make? It's kind of the same way as, as it's kind of the same thing as like picking a niche for a web design career. Um, I think one, you, you have to, you have to pick a group of people that you enjoy being around and you enjoy servicing. Like if you, if you pick plumbers, but you hate plumbers and you hate going to conferences or going to the places where they hang out, then you're, you're setting yourself up for a problem because you're gonna, you're going to start hating your work eventually. So one is picking a group of people or niche that, that you, that you like, that you actually enjoy and that you want to work with. And the second part of that is, is picking a group of people that, uh, have the money to pay you, you know? So maybe you like working with indie bands and making websites for them, but most of them are broke. So it's, you know, um, it's, you know, you're, you're going to run into problems because you're, you're not gonna, they're not going to be able to pay you very much. So it's a combination of picking a group of people that you really like and are passionate about and, and, would enjoy, you know, spending time with those people and hanging out online where they hang out and going to the conferences that they go to. And also a group of people that can actually, that that has money to pay you. I mean, everything you're saying is so, is so dead on that I can't, there's not even something I can add. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to sort of change gears a little and go over to podcasting, mm-hmm. um, which is your latest endeavor and something you've been involved with for a long time. Um, so I want to start at the beginning and see, you know, why did you decide to start, you know, a podcast in general? Um, I know the gently mad was probably your first real show. Like, why did you, why did you go down that road? Um, I started the gently mad in December of, well, no, that's when I started. Yeah, I started it January of 2013, I think, is when it was. It's been about two years. And um, I had always been fascinated with it. You know, I still love journalism, you know, and I, I'd probably still be in journalism if um, the, if, the, the if money... It wasn't a, if it yeah, wasn't a dying industry. If there was enough money, yeah, to pay me to be there. So... I have this natural love for journalism and radio and, and that kind of stuff. So there was there was that interest. But also, um, I just uh, – I had read – what book was it? I had, I had read 
Josh Long and um, Wilson's book, Execute. Yeah. And they were talking about how, you know, you just need to do something and, and give yourself a deadline and do it. And I'm very much a very heady kind of person. I'm always in, I'm always just in my head. I overthink everything. I, I just think things to death and I never actually do anything. And I got kind of so fed up with that a couple of years ago. I just decided, you know what? I, I'd like to try a podcast. And so I'm just going to do it. And so I, uh, I went ahead and the first thing I did was I booked guests because I was scared and I knew that if I didn't, you know, go ahead and book guests, then I probably would would never get it done. So I booked guests, which forced me to, I think I had about, uh, was it probably, I don't know, 12 or 13 days. It was just under two weeks. And I knew that this thing had to go live then because I'd already booked the guests. So that really forced me to kind of get over my perfectionism and get a website together and, and, and get it done. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's what I did. And I started at that time, the gently mad was, was focused on the design industry, design world. And, um, so yeah, I did that and, and I launched that show and, um, I recently rebooted it back in November. It's something quite different now, but I did that for about two years there. And, um, it, yeah. It's so funny uh, that our stories to our road to podcasting, our, I'm going to say our road to podcasting fame, your podcasting fame is much larger than mine, <laughs> um, but uh, is so similar. I read Josh's, I read Josh Long and Drew Wilson's book. I booked guests. It was like the first thing I did. Actually, Josh Long was one of my first guests that I booked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so funny that your that the road is so similar. So I want to dive a little deeper and talk about, you know, people who listen to the show are looking for some ideas about what they should do and how they should start. So I'm really interested in talking to you about, you know, what does somebody need? And this is something that, you know, I took me a little while to learn. What does somebody need to start a podcast? You know, like, is it just a microphone and a computer? Is it more than that? What, you know, what do you suggest getting your, you know, getting your start? Um, well, it's a number of things. And, and that's why I'm teaching this course because, uh, you know, I I feel like it's a number of things I get. I I was getting a lot of, well, first of all, for two years, I had thought about, you know, writing some sort of ebook or making some sort of course at the time it was, it was going to be based around an ebook, kind of the Nathan Berry model. And, but like most things, I just thought about it and dreamed about it, but never actually did it. And um, so with the course now, back in November, I decided I'm just going to do it. And I decided to make it a video course. And so as far as what people need to get started in podcasting, um, I could answer that question so many different ways based on based on, on, on what the goal is. And that's why the very first module of my course is defining your goal, because I feel like that is so important. If you're just, if you're just wanting to play around and and experiment and have some fun with a podcast, then, then you have one route to take. That's in a very, a very inexpensive, low barrier route, but maybe you want to make a podcast and make a business out of it and make an income, maybe even a full time income from it. Then, then, then that's a completely different road to take. <clears throat> so, I think um, I think defining, you know, answering the why, 
you know, why do I want to make a podcast is really important because once you know why you're doing it, then you'll know which direction to take when you're hit with all those forks in the road. And there will be lots of forks in the road. And if you don't really know why you're doing it, then it's going to be really difficult to answer those questions when they come up. Got it. So you you mentioned something before, and you talked about forks in the road, and I think it's very interesting that you mentioned that. Um, so what type of forks, or even, I'm going to use the same word that I used earlier, what type of roadblocks are there for new podcasters, and how do you recommend you know getting over those? Well, let's just say... Um you know, deciding on the, the format of your show, you know, is it going to be an interview show? Is it going to be, uh, is it going to be a monologue? Is it going to be you just, just talking about whatever into the, you know, out into the ether, or is it going to be an interview based show? Uh, or is it going to be a short daily burst? You know, yeah. Like the frequency of the show, is it going to be daily? Is it going to be weekly? You know, all those questions are answered if you know why you're doing it. Um, and so that's why it comes back to why you're doing it. And those would be forks in the road, like trying to decide, okay, what kind of podcast am I going to make now? Am I going to make a um, a once a week interview show or am I going to do a daily educational show? Well, if you don't know what your goal is for creating a podcast, if you don't know why you're making a podcast – then that decision can be paralyzing because you really don't know. You have no idea because you don't know why you're doing it. So that's why it's so important to know, you know, what what you're hoping to achieve, what success is for you, you know, what the goal is for your podcast and the why. And if you know that, then you'll be able to say, well, uh, my show should be this format and this length and this style um, because it aligns with, with that goal. Got it. So as you are a, an experienced podcaster and a, I'm assuming an avid podcast listener, <laughs> um, what, you know, what are your top three shows besides how to hold a pencil and the gently met? What are your top three <laughs> podcasts? I actually don't listen to my own show. Um, I listen to it in, in preparation for editing. You know, I listen to it several times for things like that, but I don't listen to it otherwise because, um, you know, I know what happened, so it's it's not that interesting, honestly. Um, but um, see, I work from home. I don't have a commute. I, I can't listen to podcasts while I work because it's just distracting. You know, I, I want to be able to focus and listen. So I'm a big fan. Most of the shows I've created have been interview shows, and I'm a big fan of the interview model. You know, there are people out there like uh, Terry Gross on NPR with Fresh Air or Krista Tippett with On Being, which is also an NPR show, interview show. And you got like Charlie Rose. Um, Alec Baldwin has a podcast called Here's the Thing. His podcast um, His podcast is one of the best. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to say. Absolutely. He's, he's yeah. hilarious. His guests are fantastic. Um, but Sorry, yeah, I, di I digress. Uh, no, it is so good. Um, my favorite podcast is still definitely WTF with Mark Maron. He's he's kind of my hero, I guess. The kind the guy I kind of model myself after, and hope to be more like someday. And uh, I love just how uh, vulnerable and honest he is about what he's struggling with, 
with each episode, which is kind of why I do mine the way I do. But um, to get back to your question, what podcast do I listen to? Um, it's kind of like when I was in a band, you know, I've been in music all my life. Um, the music that I loved playing is not the same kind of music that I loved listening to, uh, which is strange. But um, like because I'm a drummer, I love playing like like seriously just solid rock and roll. I love playing music where I could kind of go to town on the drums, but that wasn't necessarily the kind of music I loved listening to. I was much more into the indie singer-songwriter kind of music. And it's the same way with podcasting. I make a podcast that's ostensibly about business and it's in the business entrepreneurial space, but I really don't listen to any podcasts in that space. Um, most of what I listen to are um, the ones I just named, like WTF with Mark Marin. Uh, I listen to This American Life. Um, I listen to Startup with Alex Bloomberg. So his, good. Yeah. So good. I just heard him give a sp- uh, give a talk on audio design. It was amazing. Mind oh, blo- that's cool. Mind where, blowing. Where it was? Um, I'm I'm guessing it might be in the show notes, but is is it a YouTube video, a link, or something? Um, it's not. Uh, I'll see if I can find a YouTube link. Uh, and if it is, I will put it in the show notes for sure. Uh, I was at an event, and he he was one of the people giving a talk, and it was oh, okay. fantastic. He he did a course recently on creativelive.com, and I didn't know if it was it was part of that that you were referring to or what. But he's, no, but uh, I'll I'll link to that too because I'm sure it's great. It is great. Yeah, he's 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 definitely someone who's you know a master storyteller like Ira Glass from This American Life, and so I find myself listening to those kinds of shows. Um, I mentioned Startup. I loved that, and. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the interview format, so I love checking out new interview shows, but I don't really listen to entrepreneurial business interview shows because I find that they're just all the same. It's yeah. just it's all the same stuff, which was part of the driving factor of the reboot of The Gently Mad is, you know, I didn't want to just put out more noise into the universe. I wanted to make something that I felt was valuable so I decided to kind of do the opposite of what every other entrepreneurial podcast was doing. That's awesome. So in the last couple of minutes that we have together, um, how did you sort of build the com- – these are questions that I ask a lot of people and I'm just interested in you know hearing people's perspectives. Sure, yeah. How did you build the confidence to build your – you know, build these different things, you know, whether it was the Gently Mad first time, the Gently Mad reboot, your irresistible podcasting course, these so many things. How did you build your confidence to build something and then keep pushing forward to sort of keep going? Like the confidence to um, – what do you mean exactly? Like the confidence to create it and then the confidence to put it out in the world and say like I'm an expert or I'm, you know, willing to put this forward for other people to evaluate and to tell me whether or not I'm completely bonkers or something. Yeah. Um, I would say that's tough because, um, podcasting, I would say is even harder. Okay. Well, two things. It's harder than blogging because you are speaking and, uh, maybe you don't like the way your voice sounds or you don't feel like you're a good conversationalist. And so it's harder in that sense because uh, it's the same way like with public speaking, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're very, you're much more intimate with your audience than if you're just writing. But um, 
Um, it's also easier, I think, because uh, for me it's easier because I have a hard time blogging and writing. I've, I've tried many times over the last 15 years and kind of kind of failed at it. I mean, I think I'm a good writer. I mean, I have the journalism background, but writing is just a lot of work for me. Like I don't, I don't enjoy the process of it. And I love the process of podcasting. I love everything about it. I can geek out about gear and setups and I love actually interviewing people, talking to people and, and then kind of editing the shows together and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I like it all. And so I think honestly, podcast, I mean, podcasting is already exploding and it's going to explode more. I think everyone, you know, especially if you're a designer, if you're a freelance web designer developer, you know, you should have a podcast. Like people say you should have a blog. Well, you know, I think you should have, you should have a podcast. It's just another avenue of, you know, like people say, teach what you know, you know, if you're, if, if you're a freelance designer, one great way to get clients is to teach, you know, and to write and, and have a blog about um, what it is you know. And, and podcasting is kind of is, is hitting that, you know, explosive uh, phase where you could, you could do a podcast aimed at your clients, aimed at, you know, answering their questions and their fears. And, and um, so as a business owner, podcasting is an amazing marketing tool i think it's so true i mean what you're saying right now i'm again in complete agreement with i mean podcasting today is like the blogging of the 90s like everyone Mm -hmm. in the 90s was like get a blog get a blog get a blog and i think today so many people could be would reap the benefits of having a podcast um well and part of it's because podcasting audio is the only truly mobile format and we're we're in the middle of a, a, a multimedia revolution. I mean, we've seen it happen with video. Um, you know, Netflix. Uh, there 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 are no more blockbusters. Yeah, you the, know? Audi- the audio revolution is just. Yeah, I mean, it's something that should have happened years ago, and it's like amazing to see it finally happening. Yeah, and so it's it, it's the only mobile like for someone to read an article of yours or watch a video, they have to do it. They can't be doing anything else while they're doing it. They have to sit at their computer. Or, or stop what they're doing and do it on their phone. Whereas with podcasting, a lot of people listen on their commutes while they're exercising at the gym or walking the dog or cleaning the house. And so I feel like it's a, a great marketing tool because uh, people don't have to stop what they're doing to consume that. They can they can consume it. when the, the point with Netflix was Netflix gave people the ability to consume TV and movies and stuff when they wanted and how they wanted and podcasting is kind of doing the same thing letting people consume your content you know how they want when they want where they want and on whatever device they want and so it's just a it's a great it's a great great marketing tool as a business owner for sure so what you are you're (laughs) you're working so hard on the gently mad you've worked so hard on everything else you what keeps you motivated Oh man, that's tough because every day is a battle to not quit, honestly. Um, which may sound strange because um, the Gently Mad, since I rebooted in December, has so far per, per, uh, surpassed all my expectations. I, I really, honestly, did not think anyone would listen to this show, 
and the audience kind of exploded. And so, but even despite that success, you know, I'm the type of person who, you know, I, I definitely deal with depression and a lot of self doubt and stuff like that. So despite seeing, you know, thousands of people listening to my episodes somewhere in my head, I still convince myself that, um, it sucks and I suck, you know? <laughs> so you, you are so far from that. It, it, I know it's hard, but you are so far from that. Like you, yeah. you're at a point where that, that doesn't even need to be a thought in your head. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's a daily battle. So like the motivation, like how I stay motivated to do it is because, I, I I realized that most of my life, I'm 35 years old, and for most of my life, I quit things um, way too early. You know, it's it's all the – Seth Godin has a book called The Dip, which you should check out if you haven't checked out. Um, really, really amazing book, um, and I think I've got a copy on my desk right now. It says uh, a little book that teaches you when to quit and when to stick, and, and – um, I'm going to check that out myself. Yeah, it's totally worth it. It's it's a great little book. Um, and the reason I'm sticking, the reason I'm um, pushing through the dip and through the hard times is because, uh, I don't know, I, I just really believe that what I'm doing will one day pay off, you know. And, and if I quit now because it's hard, then I'll never know that. And... And, and, and also, like I said, I, I quit things. I spent my life quitting things and there's nothing wrong with quitting. You need to, you need to quit lots of things, but you just need to quit things strategically. And I just quit things whenever they started getting hard, you know, everything's fun in the beginning, but it eventually gets hard and you, and you have to push, you either quit or you push through. And I really, you have to decide whether the advantages are, uh, the advantages of pushing through the dip are are outweigh the uh, the difficulty or the hard work of going through the dip. And for me, I really don't know. I mean, it's it's an experiment. Everything I do is an experiment. But I really feel like this show could be something, or or some show someday could be something. So all that is really long winded. What keeps you motivated are two things. One is getting the emails from people that tell me, you know, how encouraged they are and, and and how much, you know, it helps them to know that someone else out there is struggling with the same things they are. That's one thing that really keeps me doing it. And the other thing is knowing that um, the only way I'm going to get better is is by doing it. I have to just, I have to show up um, on the microphone every day and record interviews, record as many as I can and keep practicing. Uh, and that's the, that's the only way to get better. That's the only way that, you know, five years from now, six years from now, I will be good enough at what I do that, you know, the world, the audience, whatever will, will be compelled to take notice of it. For sure. So a question that I ask everybody uh, on the show, if you could go back to yourself at the very beginning, whether it's the beginning of podcasting or the beginning of web development uh, for you, what single piece of advice would you tell yourself? I would say to myself, um, I would try to convince myself that whatever it is I wanted to do deep down, way deep down there, to stop believing that it's that it's just impossible. Um, 
I've talked to so many people and this is such a common thing that, you know, when we're kids growing up, you know, we, we have these dreams of things we want to do, but for some reason we just convince ourselves that eh, it just could never happen. It just, it just, uh, it's, it's a fairy tale. It, it, it won't work for me. And, um, so many people do that where I have friends and I ask them, well, what do you really want to do? And they, they can't even answer the question because they've buried it so far deep down, the thing that they really want to do, but they're so convinced that, that, that it just can't, it just isn't possible. You know, it's just not possible for them. And so what I would tell myself is to, uh, not believe that to, to dig into my brain and figure out what it is that I really, really want to do with my life and then and then figure out a way to go after it instead of spending a decade doing other things, you know, the quote responsible things because <laughs> because I just didn't believe that what I really wanted was possible. This uh, it's that's one of my favorite questions on my show. I, I ask everybody that because I think everybody's answers are so different. And your answer, I've never heard it, but I think it's something that so many people need to listen to. Yeah, um, I just, I, I've literally. I mean, I talk to people every single day. I talk to people so much, and I can't tell you like how many people have that story. You know, like I'll ask people, "What is it you really want to do?" And usually they say, uh, "I'm not really sure." And we keep digging, and eventually find out. Um, you know what it is that they. Re- I was talking to one friend, and it was like, you know, what do you really want to do? And and it was one thing, another thing, and then eventually it just came out. I really, really just want to travel the world and beat interesting people and eat interesting food and write about it and talk about it and stuff like that. But it took like twenty minutes of probing to actually get that out because she was just convinced that. That, that's just a dream. There's just there's no way to make there's no possible way to make a living from it. So we just kind of write it off um, in our minds. But we live in a day and age where because of the internet, it's possible to make a living doing just about anything. Because so true, so you true. You can connect with you can connect with people that want what you offer in a way that we couldn't do 15 years ago. And so that's what I tell people. What I would have told myself is just. Stop believing that, you know, just stop, just dig in, dig way deep and figure out what that thing is that you really, really want to do that you're so afraid of that you don't think could ever work or ever be possible. Figure out what that is and start doing it. Cool. So the last question that I ask everyone uh, is where can people find you on the Internet? Stuff you want to plug? Let us know. Yeah, man. I'm pretty much A.V. Clark everywhere. I'm A.V. Clark on Twitter. The website is avclark.com. Um, Facebook is uh, facebook.com slash TGM podcast for the the podcast page. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to build the Gently Mad into uh, something bigger and I'm trying to you know, get my course finished, which is irresistiblepodcasting.com. And those are the two things I'm focused on full time. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much where I'm at. Very cool. Adam, I wanted to say thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. No, thank you, man. I really appreciate you inviting me on. This was awesome. 
I hope you really enjoyed the show. Uh, Adam Clark is one of my podcast heroes, uh, and it was really a pleasure to talk to him, and I learned so much, and I hope you learned a lot, too. If you like the show, please let me know on Twitter. I'm at Rubenigmore or at Hold a Pencil. Uh, if you like the show in general, please rate and review the show on iTunes. I can't tell you how important that is. You can find show notes to everything we've talked about here and more at www.howtoholdapencil.com. Have a great day.